Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, Licensed Professional Counselor. Today is a special edition of the podcast as I'm going to be talking directly to you about an issue of screen use and screen addiction, especially in children and adolescents. So that means this episode does not have a special guest. It will just be me speaking for a short time on these issues and hopefully giving you some tips that might help you. Remember, this is not clinical advice. These are my opinions based on what I have read. You have to decide what is best for you and your children or your teens or whatever. If you're not sure, please consult a doctor, a psychologist, or a licensed professional counselor and try to figure out what you think is the right thing to do in your life. Before we get into the episode, if you are a clinician and you are looking for billing services for your healthcare company or your therapy practice, check out Therapist Billing Services. This is a service created by therapists for therapists. There are no hidden fees and there are extra parts of customer service included, including verification of benefits and making sure you get paid for every session possible. That's therapistbillingservicesllc.com. Check us out today. So today's topic is in the zeitgeist out there, and it's a big deal. Before we get into screen use and might be the best practices, let's go to screen addiction. So screen addiction, of course, is also known as problematic or compulsive screen use, and it's a behavioral addiction characterized by excessive or compulsive use of digital devices such as smartphones, computers, tablets, video game consoles, digital watches, televisions, or anything else in the digital realm that leads to negative consequences in daily life. The diagnostic criteria for this condition are not yet well established and are not actually included in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. These are just things that therapists and psychologists are thinking about right now. Some researchers have proposed diagnostic criteria for internet gambling disorder, a specific form of screen addiction that involves compulsive gambling behavior. Internet Gaming Disorder, IGD, is in the section recommending conditions for further research in the DSM-5-TR. Catherine Lawrence, MD, defines screen addiction as a group of behaviors that are negative, some negative outcomes that can happen when we use too much technology during our day, such as prolonged use of watching TV, video games, or scrolling through social media. All of that acts like a digital drug for our brain, she says. And, of course, we need to know the science behind it, so why does this happen? When a person experiences pleasurable experiences or hyperarousal while watching a screen, the brain's reward center releases dopamine in response, a chemical that creates feelings of pleasure and motivation. Dopamine is associated with addictive behaviors, as a study and paper by Wise and Jordan said in 2021. These all references will be in the show notes. If someone experiences hyperarousal while playing video games, the brain associates the activity with dopamine, leading to the development of a strong drive to seek out that same pleasure repeatedly. Of course, this is in the neurotransmitters we're talking about. We're not necessarily saying it's an addiction, but it is a drive in the body. Excessive screen use can also trigger the release of dopamine in the brain, leading to negative effects on impulse control. When the brain is repeatedly exposed to the dopamine released by screen use, it can become desensitized to these stimuli, 
leading to more screen time needed to achieve the same level of pleasure. Online activity abuse is linked to deregulation of the serotonin and dopamine neurotransmitter pathways in the developing brain of children. This is from a study from Dress Langley, 2020. This leads to negative and potentially long-term metabolic changes. According to a 2022 meta-analysis of internet addiction in adolescence, screen addiction is caused as a result of the following factors. Personal individual factors, educational factors, socio-family factors, and cultural factors. That's from Lorenzo Blasco et al. 2022. And of course, obviously, not everyone who's using a screen is going to be addicted to it. Individual factors such as susceptibility or a person has too much time on their hands or they don't have any boundaries around screen use. They have so many devices. Educational factors, you know, are they being educated about the screens? Are they being disciplined? Um, some people are on screens all day at school. Socio-family factors. Of course, the sociology of a family has a great deal to do with if children become addicted to screens or not because the parents, believe it or not, have a massive influence over the child and can set up the parameters around the technology. However, many families and just give their child unfettered use or almost unfettered use of smartphones and iPads and tablets and things like this without much of a consequence unless the child does something wrong. Cultural factors, of course, also apply, which we could go on and on about. Here are some signs of screen addiction. That someone may be addicted to screen use based on the Fiona Swanson LICSW from Mayo Clinic in this article. Major symptoms of screen dependency disorder are the following. Preoccupation with screens. The person is frequently thinking about screens or is always looking for ways to utilize them. Loss of interest in other activities. The person may lose interest in other activities they used to enjoy, such as hobbies or spending time face-to-face -face with friends and family or things like that. They have difficulty controlling screen use. The person may have difficulty limiting screen time even when they know it's causing negative consequences. Withdrawal symptoms. The person may experience negative symptoms when they are unable to use screens, such as irritability, restlessness, or anxiety. Negative impact on relationships. Screen use may interfere with the person's relationships with friends and family and causing conflicts or social isolation. Negative impact on work or school. Screen use may interfere with the person's ability to focus or perform well in work or school. Physical symptoms. The person may experience physical symptoms as a result of excessive screen use such as headaches, eye strain, or neck and back pain. And there are many articles that back that up that I will put in the show notes. So what does screen addiction have to do with the body and the mind? So too much screen time can actually affect sleep habits and sleep quality. In a 2019 review, 90% of analyzed studies found an association between screen media use and delayed bedtime or decreased total sleep time. That's from Hale et al. 2019. Two or more hours of screen time in the evening can seriously disrupt the melatonin surge needed to fall asleep. So um, when the sun is no longer visible, if we are in a circadian rhythm cycle, uh, melatonin begins to rise. And uh, if you are on a screen, the blue light is almost like an artificial uh, light that gives your eyes UV 
rays, and therefore the brain doesn't realize that it is now nighttime, and it will not fall into that natural circadian rhythm as easily. Screen time induces stress reactions. Significantly increased screen time contributed to poor sleep during the pandemic. This is an article from Chen et al. 2022. Individuals who depend on screens for entertainment and social networking had up to 19% more emotional stress and up to 14% more perceptual stress. This is from Kalali Manahani et al. Uh, Perceptual meaning they perceived things to be more stressful as reported by other people. According to Lissack 2018, screen addiction leads to adverse psychological and physiological effects, such as addictive Addictive screen time uses decreased social coping and increased craving behavior, similar to substance-dependent behavior, such as, you know, drinking or smoking. Brain structural changes related to cognitive control and emotional regulation are associated with digital media addictive behavior, and screen time induced ADHD-like behavior or ADHD-related behavior. So already we're just seeing so many negative effects to using screens too much. Again, I'm not here to tell you that screens are evil and that you should take everyone's screens away or never use a screen again. Everyone has a bit of a different um, take on this. This is up to you. Screen time increases overweight and obesity risk. There is a positive association between screen time and overweight obesity among adolescents. That's from Haju et al., 2022. Prolonged periods of sitting can increase the likelihood of developing health issues such as obesity, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancer. This has been well established, although screens might keep us sedentary, thus that's why it's linked in the study. Screen time reduces physical activity as well. According to a randomized clinical trial published in JAMA Pediatrics, the children in the screen time reduction group exercised on average for 45 minutes longer than the children in the control group. So the control group were using the screens, um, you know, in the way that they were, and you can look at the article. But the screen time reduction group were exercising 45 minutes longer per day in this random, randomized clinical trial. Reduced screen time can prevent obesity and lower BMI in young children. That's from Epstein et al. 2008. Screen time may contribute to decreased attention and impulse control, which lead to disinhibited eating and obesity. That's from Frame et al. 2021. Exposure to light at night. Light at night from electronics has been linked to depression and suicide risk in certain studies. Example, Tancredi et al. 2022. There are issues with brain development. There may be an association between screen time and adolescent brain development. And these studies have shown that screen time and the brain have shown gray matter atrophy, reduced cortical thickness, and other effects. That's from Marciano et al., 2021. So that is a really big deal. That is one of actually the most worrisome thing to me. Research has found that screen time is linked to gray matter atrophy in the brain or atrophy, excuse me, if I could speak correctly, and specifically in the two areas that are affected. Frontal lobe, which governs the executive functions, planning, prioritizing, organizing, and impulse control in the insula, part of the brain, involved in our capacity to develop empathy and compassion and the ability to integrate physical signals with emotion. That's from Wang et al., 2013. And the gray matter is important um, because in a lot of meditation studies, when you, people are doing meditation, they're able to grow more gray matter. Um, and that apparently is 
according to a lot of mindfulness meditation studies, associated with the ability to respond to stress in a way that's not negative. It's more of a resilient response to stress. So if if screen time is positively linked with uh, gray matter atrophy, meaning it's shrinking the brain or, or not growing as much, with the frontal lobe, which is planning, prioritizing, organizing, and impulse control, you could definitely make a case that perhaps if people are spending too much time on screens, they are not very directed, they're unable to plan, organize, or control their impulses. And worse yet, the insula... Um, difficulty with developing empathy and compassion if there's less there. And to integrate the physical signals with emotion, that's a huge issue. Research has already demonstrated a loss of integrity in the brain's white matter um, associated with screen use. This is from Hong et al. 2013. White matter is part of the brain that contains nerve fibers that are responsible for transmitting signals throughout the brain. And that was also from a, psych- uh, from a Psychology Today article as well. Attention issues. Exposure to excessive screen time in children can be associated with attention problems. That's from Santos et al. 2022. Increased screen time in preschool is associated with worse inattention problems. That's from Sukhpreet et al. 2019. Intelligence levels. There is already association between smart uh, smartphone use and lowered intelligence. And that is from Science Daily. That's from the University of Waterloo in a 2015 study. Um, and in fact... It makes, uh, they actually say it makes us easy to not really think for ourselves and use critical parts of the brain, which is not good. So how are children and teens affected by screen use or adolescence? Statistics of screen use among teens. Teens spend about 7.5 hours in front of the screen every day. Six to 10-year-old children spend about six hours in front of the screen. 11 to 14-year-olds spend about nine hours in front of the screen. And 15 to 18-year-old children, apparently 7.5. 51% of the United States children are allowed to have screen time higher than three hours per day. Outside of homework, 15% of children were allowed to have less than one hour of screen time. Only 15% were allowed to have one hour or less. 34% had one to two hours. When I was a kid, until I was about 15 or 16, my parents only let me have one hour of television per day, and I was in the group where we didn't really have a computer until we were 16 in our house anyway, so I didn't have much screen time. Um, And there's lots of statistics on this. This is uh, from multiple websites. According to the 2020 National Health Interview Study of the CDC, the Centers of Disease and Control, 67.7% of boys and 64.6% of girls aged 2 to 17 spent more than two hours of screen time per weekday in addition to schoolwork screen time, which most schools have switched over to having children on laptops almost all day, even in the classroom. The percentage of children spending more than two hours of screen time increased with age. For those aged 2 to 5 years old, 47.5% spent more than two hours a day of screen time. Two to five-year-old children. For those aged 12 to 17, 80% spent more than two hours of screen time. Now, I'm not saying that screen time in schools isn't, you know, good. In fact, you know, screens and computers and things have helped us look up things faster. They help, um, we can write papers faster. We can find books, resources faster, but there are some negative effects. According to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, Children aged 8 to 12 in the U.S. typically spend around 4 to 6 hours daily engaging with screens, while teenagers can spend up to 9 hours daily. The World Health Organization recommends that children 1 to 4 years old should have no more than 1 hour of sedentary screen time per day. 
How does screen time affect children? During the preteen and teen years, the brain undergoes significant changes in developments, which makes tweens and teens especially susceptible to the effects of excessive screen time on their emotional well-being and brain functioning. Here are some of the ways in which screen time can impact different aspects of their growth and development. Learning issues. Excessive screen time can have a negative impact on academic performance, as it can interfere with memory consolidation, attention, and information processing. A meta-analysis of 58 cross-sectional studies found a negative correlation between screen time-based activities and academic performance in children, and that's from Adelando Renau et al., 2019. Self-confidence issues. Overuse of social media and other forms of digital communication can lead to feelings of inadequacy and low self-esteem, especially if teens engage in social comparison and feel pressured to present a perfect image of themselves online. This can lead to a negative body image and distorted sense of self-worth. On the other hand, reducing social media use significantly improves body image in teens and young adults, and that's from Ty et al. 2013. Social skills. Spending too much time on screens can hinder the development of social skills such as communication, empathy, and conflict resolution. It may also increase feelings of loneliness, social isolation, and disconnection from the real world. On the other hand, time away from screen media with increased social interaction may improve comprehension of nonverbal emotional cues. That's from Ools et al., 2014. According to Carson et al., 2019, screen time was unfavorably associated with social skills across childhood. As she says in her article, unfortunately, these behavior patterns, once they're established in early childhood, seem to persist as children get older, which means if your child is on the screens too much, that they could have social skill issues. Emotional development. Excessive screen time can disrupt the natural emotional regulation and processing systems of the brain. That's example from Skalika et al. 2019, which can lead to mood swings, irritability, and difficulty managing emotions. It may also increase the risk of developing anxiety and depression. That's from Mara's et al. 2015. Higher screen time exposure in early childhood is associated with later emotional and behavioral problems. That's from Lou et al. 2021. Behavioral problems. Excessive screen time has been linked to behavioral problems such as ADHD, that's attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, aggression, and impulsivity. That's from Kaika et al. 2020. Children and teens who spend too much time on screens may struggle with self-control have difficulty following rules, and exhibit disruptive behaviors at school, in home, and in social settings. I'm going to comment on all of this, but let's get to some solutions here. What are ways parents can reduce, prevent, or stop screen addiction? Uh, OSF healthcare guidelines uh, for different age groups state the following. Children under two years old should have zero screen time except for video chatting with family or friends. Children aged 2 to 5 should have no more than one hour of screen time per day, which could be co-viewed with a parent or sibling. Children ages 5 to 17 should generally have no more than two hours of screen time per day, except for homework or obligatory schoolwork. Some additional guidelines from Premier Health article. Tips to prevent or stop screen addiction uh, based on Premier Health's advice. Set a good example. That's a tough one, parents, but here we go. Parents should monitor and limit their own screen usage and avoid having the TV on in the background during family activities. This sets a good example for kids and encourages them to engage in other activities. How parents behave around technology will greatly affect how their children interact with it as they grow, so modeling healthy screen habits is important. 2022 
study findings show that parents' screen-related behavior affected the child's behavior. Specifically, parents' weekday screen times indirectly affected children's BMI uh, or their uh, body mass index. That's Ishayi et al. 2022. Be involved in your kid's screen time. Parents should set screen time limits with their kids and stay involved in their screen use. They can even play video games with their kids so that they know what content their children are viewing. And uh, there's many articles talking about the importance of playing uh, with your children, and I will link one of those in the uh, blog version of this podcast. Encourage other activities. Parents should encourage other activities that don't involve screens, such as reading, playing outside, or engaging in hobbies that are hands-on. A 2021 study proves that participating in physical activity can counteract the negative impact of screen time among kids. That's from Khan et al. 2021. Children who spent less time using electronic devices and more time being physically active had better mental well-being. Create screen-free zones. Parents can create screen-free zones in their homes, such as bedrooms or the dinner table, to encourage conversation and other activities. Try to have a screen-free policy during bedtime, mealtimes, and family time. Make sure to put your own phone away as well as communicate with your children instead. Arundel et al. 2020 highlights the importance of family screen time interventions. The reason is that screen time in the home can be influenced by the home environment, parental behaviors, and role modeling, child preferences, as well as school policies. Make sure you have a bedtime routine. Parents should establish a bedtime routine that doesn't involve screens, such as reading a book or listening to music. This helps children wind down and get a better night's sleep, and it can also help prevent screen addiction. Here's some additional tips uh, we discovered from Imali Early Learning Center uh, in Australia. Choose media wisely. Parents should choose media that is age-appropriate, educational, and promotes positive values. Before allowing kids to watch or play with anything, children and par- I'm sorry, parents should research the content and read reviews to ensure it lines with their family's values. Parents should also prioritize media that promotes social interaction, creativity, and physical activity. Monitor your child's online activity. Parents should be aware of how much time their child spends online and what they are doing online. This includes monitoring their social media use and posts, as well as any interactions with others they have online. I will go even further. I believe until a child is 18 years old, you should have full access to any sort of device that you give them. And you should have set on the device extra security software that allows you to see all of the history and they cannot delete any of the history. They should not have unfettered access and you should have safe searching turned on And uh, because any sort of slip into negative content, which they're most likely going to be able to view at their friend's house or at school through other friends, is uh, possibly leading to uh, negative exposure to many different things or screen addiction. Um I think until a child's 18, you have to basically curate the environment so that they can have good habits because it's such an addictive thing. Um, It's unbelievable, actually, how addicting screens are. According to Lai et al., 2022, parents need to be active companions to their young children and replace negative, excessive screen activities with positive ones, such as frequent parent-child reading, parent-child games, and outdoor trips with their children. And I uh, have some comments. We live in a world that is dependent on technology for communication. 
However, just because technology is utilized and is popular doesn't mean you have to let your child or yourself use it excessively. It is important to find a balance between not using screens at all and using them excessively. Due to the increase in dopamine and association by the brain, we must be careful to self-monitor and not accidentally let screen time creep further and further into our free time or our children's free time. There are lots of tips you can do for the parents, such as setting a time on your timer on your phone, setting a goal of non-screen time activity, and for children, this is extremely important. So here's the deal. If you are a parent and you already have like gone down the road of your children having unfettered screen time use, you're probably going to have a lot of issues getting um, the screens away from them. But you're you're I would say it is well worth your time to go through the unpleasant situation of decreasing and monitoring and structuring their screen time use rather than having a child with uh, screen addiction disorder. And um, I've worked with many parents over the years to basically set time aside, be very intentional. Here's your screen time. This is when you have it and this is when you don't. For instance, um, at night, I never have any child have their laptop or their computer or whatever screen, tablet, phone in their room. No way. It's got to be locked up somewhere. It, they're so powerful. We have cases of children waking up in the middle of the night and getting on the internet. The internet is basically, if you don't know how to use it uh, as a parent, that's a problem. You should take a class because pretty much you can get anything on the internet, drugs, pornography. You can talk to people that you don't know. Um, There are unlimited things. And with children, their minds are developing. They do not have the judgment adults have. Um, You you cannot trust your child if your child's like, oh, they're a good kid. They have good judgment. The internet can change all of that because kids are naturally curious. So they do need to be educated about what's out there. We shouldn't like censor everything at all, but we should definitely be watching because when they're old enough, they're going to be exposed to all this stuff anyway, and they need to make those choices. So the longer that you can keep them understanding what's on the internet but not having unfettered use, the better. So I'm not trying to make you into an authoritarian parent, but I think in this day and age, um, you know, there's a reason parents are picky over their school district that they put their child in or their school. They're picky over who the babysitters are or who their mentors are and who they spend time with or what part of the city they stay in or what type of park they go to or whose night they spent, you know, where they spend the night for a sleepover. So why aren't you picky about how much time they're on screens? Why aren't we picky about what they're watching on screens? Children are like sponges. They are they are sucking up everything. And if you've got a screen addiction as a parent, it's important to get into therapy about that and really work on that. There are many phones. In fact, there's a phone called the Light Phone, I believe it's called, L-I-G-H-T phone. And it's a phone, I'm not being paid by them, which is basically minimalist, which allows phone uh, and text and maps and a few other small things, but doesn't allow you to be on like social media and like browsing the web uh, much. And it has a bunch of filters on it. Uh, The new version of the iPhone has a ton of ways to restrict um, apps and focus time and sleep time. And it has all these different settings you can check out on the new iOS. You can go to the Apple store and or even just look at YouTube. And I've been able to set up things like if I'm driving, it automatically doesn't let anything through but a phone call. 
So I can't be distracted while driving. If I'm working, I'm going to do focus. So only like emergency phone calls will come through and emergency texts from people on my favorites list. So there's ways as parents that we can really work on our own stuff because our children ultimately absorb our habits. They do not really absorb our lectures. It's like children are too smart for us. They are going to do what you do. They're not going to do what you say just because you say it. That is the oldest BS ever. So in these are all of my opinions, as you know. But in my opinions, I believe that screen addiction can be prevented by the very simple aspect of limiting the screen time in the home. If you don't know how to limit your screen time in the home, um, there are many ways. You can lock up the video games in a safe. Um, lots of internet plans have the ability to shut off the Wi-Fi except to certain devices or shut off only to certain devices during certain times. Taking the devices physically away and locking them in a safe. Um, I already said that, I guess. Um, making sure that your children are in a diversity of activities, after-school programs, sports, and then really spending quality time with your kids. So when you're spending time with your kids, you're not just feeding them and yelling at them. But you're saying, okay, on Thursdays, I hang out with this child. We're going to go do this. That quality time is so important because a lot of times people come into therapy and they say, I don't know how to be present. Well, if you don't know how to be present, how are your kids supposed to learn how to be present? And that can lead to all sorts of things. We already went over the physiological effects, learning, self-confidence, emotional development, physiological issues with sleep, self-esteem, obesity, all of these things. Um, We can't prevent the damage that screens might do to your kid, but we can work on harm reduction and we can work on the fact that, yes, these kids will have to be connected in today's world. And yes, maybe you should send them to programming camp. I don't know, whatever their interests are. But again, be intentional about how much they're just messing around on screens or watching television or whatever outside of um, the designated times. And this will, if you set these parameters and you stick to it through all their fits and through all of whatever, What's going to happen is that you are actually going to develop children with impulse control that can pass the marshmallow test. And everyone remembers the marshmallow test where they put children in a room and they gave them a marshmallow. And they said, if you can wait, I think it was 10 minutes or something, for the, for the uh, teacher to come back in the room and you don't eat your marshmallow, you get another marshmallow and then you get to eat both marshmallows. But if you eat your marshmallow... For the 10 minutes while the teacher's out of the room, then you don't get any more marshmallows. And the children with good impulse control could wait the 10 minutes, even if they were really having a hard time. These were like little kindergartners. And um, the children with poor impulse control immediately ate the marshmallow. So you want, and then of course, you know, being able to delay pleasure and be mindful and be able to have good social intelligence and empathy and governing uh, executive functions in the frontal lobe of planning or organizing prioritizing these are all things you need to succeed in this difficult world people you know we can swing from one to the other oh, our kids need to know technology trust me they're going to know technology more than you ever did for instance i'm in my 40s and i did not have really good technology until i was 16 and i I'm I can I'm a phenomenal at computers and editing audio and all of that and I could be even better if I spent more time at it. It doesn't take much to learn even so if you think a couple hours a day, my gosh, kids can learn so much in that time or an hour a day. 
Think about if they spend an hour a day playing violin or piano or spending an hour a day shooting baskets or baseball or something. I mean, think about that. They say um, in some of the research studies I've read, uh, Scott Miller's research and others, 10,000 hours to get to mastery. 10,000 hours and you get to be a mastery. So why not have your kid in different programs um, an hour? But you know, every couple of days, a lot of people take music lessons a couple hours a week, but we're letting these children be on computers hours and hours and hours per day. Of course, they're going to be a master at the computer when they're older. Um, let's just be intentional about it. So the show is called The Intentional Clinician. Obviously, if you need counseling because you don't know how to deal with your own screen use, you know, that is important. Seek out a local counselor, read some books, get some tips, um, start putting some of these parameters on yourself. If you're worried about your kid, you can definitely get them into therapy. I recommend family therapy a lot of times in these situations, but the structure of the family home is the most important aspect. We cannot expect someone under 18 to self-govern themselves. They are not going to self-govern themselves because they do not see the future like you do. They cannot evaluate things like an adult, and we cannot put that on them as some sort of moral judgment that they're going to make the right choice. They're not. They need you to do it. And if you want even to go advanced, a lot of therapists will help you with this, is setting up a series of incentives and de-incentives for the child so that if they do a good job um, with impulse control and screen use, they get these certain rewards. And if they don't, they get less rewards. So it's as simple as that. Uh, which means it's super complicated. <laughs> so thanks for listening to this solo episode of The Intentional Clinician with Paul Krauss, licensed professional counselor. I will be actually putting up a whole blog of all of my notes um, from this screen use episode, and they will be on a blog on healthforlifegr.com. That's www.healthforlifegr.com in the blog section under The Intentional Clinician podcast. I will have all of these studies linked as well as my notes. Thanks so much for taking your time to listen to this episode. I really hope it helps. If you are looking for more parenting stuff, I do have a class called Parents of Young Adults, What Do We Do Now? It's on udemy.com. The link is on my website and in the show notes. This is a course especially for parents who are working with children who are now 18 and older. However, a lot of the tenants can apply to children who are still under 18 as well. All right, thanks for listening. Announcing your intentions. Easier said and done. Announcing your intentions. And there you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. Or take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. As most of you know, I am passionate about preventing future violence in the United States. My colleagues and I have started a nonprofit called the National Violence Prevention Hotline, a 501c3 organization. We are endeavoring to gain funding and collaborators so that we can start a 24-7 hotline and chat line to reach potential perpetrators before they act violently. It is a bold effort to save 
lives and curb violence by working to connect with potential offenders while they are in the planning stages of violence, help to de-escalate them and provide resources so that they can get appropriate professional help. The National Violence Prevention Hotline is looking to open up a conversation about violence in society, the causes, and the solutions. You can learn more by visiting our website, www.violencepreventionhotline.org. Join us online by signing our petition on the website, sharing the website with your network of people, donating to the cause if you like, and you can now even write your congressperson from our website with a simple form. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you are a therapist looking for ethical and excellent medical billing services, check out therapistbillingservicesllc.com. That's www.therapistbillingservicesllc.com. Billing services created by therapists for therapists. If you're looking for an EMDR International Association consultant, I am a consultant and I can provide you the 20 hours you need to become EMDRIA certified. I have groups online and in person and I do individual consultation. Just send me a message at the website and I'll get back to you. If you want to get trained in EMDR therapy, check out the great training opportunities with EMDR Training Solutions. I've worked with them before and they are phenomenal, so register today. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment at a local counseling center in your area. You can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area at Health for Life Counseling and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting www.healthforlifegr.com. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss and his guest, and while these are based on the literature they have read and the experience in their fields, this should not be viewed as a definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you're in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. You can also text 741741 and a live, trained crisis counselor will respond. Did you know you could support your local bookstore by shopping at www.bookshop.org? You can order from the comfort of your own home online while supporting local brick-and-mortar businesses near you. If you are a therapist and you are not a member of your national or local therapy organizations such as the American Counseling Association or the American Mental Health Counselors Association, please get involved. At least pay the dues. It will help the lobbyists in our field keep us from becoming gig workers. And of course, there's the bonus of increasing mental health education around the United States and helping people understand what counseling is and promoting best practices within our profession. Until next time, I wish you all a safe and peaceful week.